What? Also, I wanted to figure out what happens if you push these buttons. Which bu no, which no, buttons? we're not testing the buttons. Oh, I didn't know that would happen. Okay. I wonder if you can program what these buttons do. I you bet. knew a hundred. No, I did not. I suspected. Oh my god, this podcast just got no. ten times better. Bam. That, uh, oh, that's an applause. Wow. Oh, my God. This is what you did today. You programmed these buttons. Oh! <laughs> All right, this thing saves by me. I don't want oh. <laughs> I need a slide whistle. I, I, I quit. Um, Exciting episode of Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. As I am joined every week, I'm joined by John Renane. Hey, Michael Moeller. You can't just use the sound effects. Okay, I won't do it. I'll do it for the guest, though. Michael Moeller? No sound effects. And uh, our special guest this week, Buddy, Buddy, Buddy. Thanks. Uh, John's found a new toy. Uh, <laughs> there needs to be a fade option. On yeah, there doesn't need It's a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. a buddy from Monarch Brewing Company. So, head brewer over there. Happy to have you on. Yeah, thank man. You for thank joining you for coming. Us. Excited to be here. Great. All right. Um, <laughs> it's, hard, it's really the clapping that threw me yeah, off. Know, we know, we just figured out what a soundboard was. we got to program this now. Um, so, expect more funky, weird grooves. Was that an intentional joke? Was that an awkward pause? Like, no. No. Okay, nobody else touches the buttons for the rest of yeah, the podcast. Yeah, I think the buttons are cut off. Yeah. Um, and <coughs> if you would like to see how awkward all of those buttons are, I would suggest subscribing to our Patreon, um, where you can see this video of these beautiful four men pressing buttons. Yeah. Um, also, thank you to our subscribers for these wonderful chairs. Uh, yeah, my, second week. My behind. Buddy's the first guest to break in the chairs with us. Yeah. You can wiggle as much as you want. Nary a squeak. The Not sound a squeak. is the chair. Yeah, it's the chair. It's the Not chair. Even a little. Um, and because I'm in the episode, I think that we should start off with a beer, okay. like we always do. Um, so what I have is something that, um, you know, this show is about family, like Fast and the Furious. It's like basically a family show. Yeah. So I, yeah, family, family beer show. Um, but I did get this. You weren't kidding. You're fogging up. Yeah, it's getting foggy. I get steamy, dude. Oh, that was quick. Hot in here. Uh, that was last week's episode. Uh, but this week, we do have a beer from uh, Manitoulin Island. Which is way where's that? Way up north. It's Michigan. It's Michigan, right? It's the Ooh. the largest freshwater island in the world. Oh, cool! I thought that was Lake Superior. Uh, island. Island. Is it in Lake Superior? Anyway, keep continue. Sorry. Thank you. Um, so this is brought to us by Split Rail Brewing Company. So they do have a brewery on the largest freshwater island in the country. Heck yeah! Um, and because uh, Monarch is so inspired by British beers, English style beers. I thought this was good for us. So this is actually uh, labeled as a Gourmet IPA. Gourmet, not gourmet, not anything else. Um, but this is an inspired British style IPA um, with floral uh, notes, bitterness, toffee, citrus. So All right. do we know what Gourmet means? It's uh, a place. Gore, oh, Gourmet, that's why I pronounced it. Okay. Okay. I thought it might have been like some kind of obscure uh, way for like dry hopping with pine needles or something. But no, it's just a place, which is also good. The way you pour beer is so savage, dude. Why? The, it's, it's the aggressive pour. It's that's dark. Good. Hard pour. 
Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, it is a little Very multi dark. for <coughs> for that. Some multi IPA. Ooh. I can smell it. Though. Ooh, I smell that gourmet. <clears throat> so. Very nice and heavy malt profile, almost like barley wine, like kind of I mean, aroma. It's strong. Yeah. All, all I smell is like raw, like malt. Merisata. Me- Melanoidin mm-hmm. going on. Or how do you pronounce that, John? Um, Machuku Tonko Tonko. Yeah, there, there were some pronunciation issues last week, but we've worked through those <laughs> since then. Yeah, this is good. I like it a lot, man. It is very old school. It's very like British style. Uh, 5% ABV, so it's nice and sessionable. They've got the German pronunciation on here, so you know it's continental. They've got it measured in milliliters, and they got a bunch of pictures of knots on it, which works with like the bay theme and the freshwater island <laughs> theme. Not Lake Superior. Okay, yeah. Right. How could it possibly be Lake Superior? No, I dig this, man. This is fantastic. Can so, I, can I interject with my first please anecdotal thing? Please, um, referencing the milliliters and the international. Oh, sorry, internationality of their branding. Uh, at some point, <coughs> I got a text about um, our tanks across the river because some of them were Celsius, some of them were set to Fahrenheit. And uh, Brian texted me, hey, why are some of these tanks set to Celsius? Why are some Fahrenheit? Brian's the owner of Mock. Brian is is one of the owners. And then Brian Labor, who is our, our brewer and our uh, quality assurance, quality control person over there, does all of our lab stuff. Um, he's... He is one of the greatest people on the planet, but he's also a very like unique individual. <laughs> yeah. And so when Brian when Brian texted me that Brian Holton, one of the owners, uh, he's like, "Why? Why are they different?" And I like thought about it and I internalized it. I was like, "He probably sets anything that is non-American to Celsius. <laughs> oh. It ferments wrong, and anything that is American to Fahrenheit." I love that. And then upon my next visit to the brewery, I looked and. Indeed, that was the case. That's, That's hilarious. <laughs> so the German Pilsner is Celsius. The American Pilsner is Fahrenheit. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. You I don't, like that. That's you don't want the system. beer to get confused. Does yeah. the freedom make the beer taste better with the uh, the Imperial scale? Hard to say. <laughs> uh, soft opening into um, Buddy, uh, head brewer at Monarch Beer Company, uh, located in Germantown, uh, Louisville. Schitzelberg. Okay, fine. Schitzelberg, Louisville. <laughs> and also uh, New Albany, Indiana. So happy to have you on. Um, That's right. We have two locations. Yeah, totally. Right. Go go across the river and check out the other one. Are you the first uh, dual state brewery in Louisville? I can't think of anybody else that has a tap room outside of the state. Not currently. Yeah, I mean, except for the people who have come here with tap rooms, like I mean, high wire and stuff, but not, that doesn't really not count. Currently. Yeah, not currently. That's awesome. Cool. Not right now. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm counting it. Thank you. It's a, uh, this has a terrific lacing. Yeah. yeah, it really does, honestly. Sexy. Elongated proteins on on fleek, as the kids say. Hell yeah. So M- Monic has uh, been around since 2015, I believe. We just celebrated six years. That's awesome. Okay, wow. so 2016. Actually, I remember Monic opened like right around the same time that the Humber store did. So I was kind of had a Schnitzelberg kinship with <laughs> the team over there. So yeah. brewery and restaurant, um, you know, elevated pub fair, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, really just all around great food. I yeah. Mean, great beer, great food. Uh, it's always been really fun to go to. It's usually a good um, lunch spot for me. I always see you posted up at the bar and, uh, you know, around lunchtime-ish. Yeah. So. Gotta hydrate. That's what Monica kind of is to me is like the place where you can go. We have like a lot of meetings there with the neighborhood associations mm-hmm. and business associations or you just go there for lunch on like a random Tuesday 
And usually you're there or one of the like brewer team is kind of hanging out in the tap room. The bar staff's all great. And you see people from all the other breweries like just kind of hanging out. I mean, it's also the uh, so far the only place that we've done a uh, quote unquote live podcast from. Yeah, that's right. We have yeah, we, podcasted yeah. from. Wait, is this not live? Well, I mean, recorded live. <laughs> recorded <laughs> live in front of a live audience. <laughs> okay. Well, Don't worry about this. Okay. Please sorry. Gone. Sorry. No. Um, no, the, uh, the, part of the reason I want to start off with this beer, um, is a nod to the English styles that Monarch does, mm-hmm. um, being in the Schnitzelberg neighborhood, obviously German influence, but you guys, your beer spans across multiple variations of region, country, etc. And I think unique to Louisville, that's one thing that you guys do exceptionally well. Uh, conceptually, I think the, um, you know, I've been with the 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 company for two years this week essentially happy so, anniversary awesome. yeah yeah thank you cheers cheers cheers, cheers to that <laughs> but uh the the approach to uh building out the brand building out our 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 core brands as well as our seasonals has always been traditionality um i think that uh the, the 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 blend of what Brian brought to the brand uh, and what Scott brought to the brand with you know their particular tastes and interests yeah those guys were were great sounding boards for each other to be able to to come up with okay we want to do a traditional English bitter what how do we want to approach that what do we want to use for the malt what do we want to use for the hops yeah, and King then, George is still one of my favorite beers. It's great. It's so that beer is taken off uh, in the mild. We've been selling uh, through the English uh, stuff really quickly lately. Excuse me, this is a fizzy beer. <laughs> the, the lacing <laughs> catches up with you and uh, way back up. But no, uh, the, the, those beers, um, you know, started off as beers that you know the, the brand cared about representing the style, and then turned into. Everyone knows King George, everyone yeah. knows Churchill. Um, and we've seen a good uptick in in those brands specifically because I think uh, we've established a clientele that knows that they can come and get a proper English bitter. And not everybody, and that's <coughs> probably like an overstatement, not everybody makes those styles of beer anymore. You don't Correct. see them. Monarch is a, a craft uh, European pub for yeah. American. I mean, you guys nail, like you said, like English bitter, English mild. Um, I know one beer that's near and dear to you is, you know, the Hefeweizen. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah um, the Hefe was the beer that I made the most as a, as a home brewer. Um, it was one that uh, I wanted to nail because uh, my grandmother who grew up in Germany and drank beer as a child in Germany because they're yeah. way cooler <laughs> over there. Yeah. Um, when I started home brewing, I would take her beers and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about this? And she would always be like, Mm. <laughs> that's awesome but I, I, German I didn't realize that she didn't really like beer the only beer that oh. she the only beer that she really beer, liked she no it was just it. beer in general uh the only beer that she actually liked is is a hefeweizen and so when i started crafting a, a heavy recipe um and i took it to her uh she was like you know this is good beer and she sat there and she held it with both hands and took a big sip and had the yeah the mustache and everything and i was like okay this feels right and so when it came time to um, kind of, you know, input my own character into the brand, uh, Scott had asked uh, for an idea on a beer. It's like, I want to do a heavy. He's like, heavies are hard with our system because we, we don't really have a way to do step mashing. 
Uh, and I was like, if you give me the shot to figure it out, do I have free reign to do that? And he was like, sure. Yeah. Classic Scott. And so uh, I figured out a way to, to rig up our very simple system. If you have a three uh, vessel homebrew system, that's basically what we operate on, but just on a much larger scale. Um, so that I was able to do a protein rest and through uh, a very large infusion and tons of stirring for a sac rest was able to achieve my my sac rest temp with a heavy. And when we released the beer and we were coming, you know, coming up with names, that's sometimes the hardest part is to figure out a name. I was like, well, this is my Oma's oh, um, that's only awesome. yeah. only beer she ever liked. And Oma also means. Uh, grandmother in Dutch, so yep. it was a really easy thing to just say. Oh, this is almost have Fison. That's great. And I have a photo of her holding a can. Oh, that's great. Of the beer. <laughs> that's great. Uh, and yeah, no, we the uh, the approach is always, what do we want to make? Uh, we have an intention to do this, and then you work backwards from that um, because all of the elements of creating the finished product starts with what what do we intend to do here. Mm -hmm. And then we work backwards from there to determine uh, our approach for, you know, executing quality, uh, you know, making sure the beer is as excellent as possible. All of the things that make Monic Monic. Yeah. Uh, to me, it always starts with the intent and then we can work backwards from there. Um, but the inspiration is always a classic style. So that's cool, too, because that does remind me of like the homebrewer philosophy. Uh, you kind of start out just you learn how to make beer but then you kind of start to try to reverse engineer things in your mind as you drink them and then the next step is you kind of have this invisible goal of a beer that you want to make and then you just iterate and iterate and iterate until you get there is that, is that does that resonate with you when you started your homebrew journey how did you start the homebrew journey? so i well i mean uh it's not a uh a glamorous story uh <laughs> none of them are <laughs> yeah i uh at the Trust time me. at the time that i for, was really getting into beer um uh, I didn't really drink before I was 21. Just I, it just wasn't something that I was I wasn't in a group of friends that did it, and it just wasn't something that I was exposed to. Then I turned 21, and I started kind of seeing what was out there. Excuse me, what, what was out there at that point? So this is the this is the point of the conversation. When when I started drinking beer, uh, craft beer was limited. Um, I remember the first beer that someone bought me on my 21st birthday was a Newcastle. Oh, sure. Oh, and I remember drinking Newcastle and be like, yeah. Nuki Brown. This isn't beer. This is something completely different. I've yeah. never had this before. That, that's when Newcastle was like good. Yeah. Well, and this was on draft. So it wasn't the skunked clear yeah. glass bottles. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I went from that and I was like, I like dark beers. And so then I remember drinking uh, a Beta mm -hmm. Turbo Dog. Oh, yeah. We used to drink the heck out of that. Um, Zingu, which was like a Brazilian Schwartz beer. Um, the X I. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and that was kind of the beginning of my journey into understanding beer and, and drinking beer as somebody who was doing it purposefully. I wasn't drinking to, to get drunk or to party. I was yeah. like, I want good beer. You, What's you, good beer? You drink for taste or you drink for waste? There you go. <laughs> nice. Uh, getting so, drunk and partying is just an after effect. It can't I, I, be helped. <laughs> yeah, you're going to party. At way. some point, I went to, uh, this is like in that same era, I went to Bonnaroo, and I remember walking back from a show to my tent at the end of the night, and there there was like a shakes down street, like gravel you know, road where people posted up and were selling sandwiches and whatever. And there was a guy selling beer, and he, he had uh, Sierra Nevada in a bottle, and he had Guinness nitro in a bottle Ooh, nice. and I bought one of each 
and I drank the Sierra Nevada first and I had never had a beer that was hot forward and I thought something was wrong with it. So <laughs> I didn't know. I just was like, this is, this one's bad. And then I'd popped the, the Guinness and I drank it as I was walking back my tent. I was like, this is really good. And then I got to the bottom and I was like clinking around. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. The widget. That, <laughs> that hippie put something in my beer. There's a shard, there's a then, shard of glass And then in I there. laid in the, in my, you know, tent. I'm like so high. Waiting for the trip to start. Uh, <laughs> The, but no, much, the nitrogen bubbles to your brain. Yeah. Much like it, most homebrewers, once you get into it, uh, once you get into beer, you think, well, I want to try this. Like this, I, I could do this. And I worked at the height at the time. Uh, we had a derby um, weekend where uh, I'd worked 12 hours every day. Um, it was right when, I think it was right after the guy tried to set his shoes on fire or something. <laughs> And so the airport wouldn't allow you to take liquids on and Woodford reserve hosted a party at the hotel where they gave everyone a pint of Woodford. So on Sunday, when everyone was checking out, they're like, I can't take this on the plane. You want this? Wow. And so me and a friend had accumulated all of these bottles of Woodford went and got proper drunk after like <laughs> working 60 hours in four days. And I woke up the next morning and like, you know, a mouthful of gravel and and head full of cotton and sat down and opened the computer and turned it on and checked the email. It's like, congratulations, you won. It's like, what? And I'd bid on a homebrew kit on eBay. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that was the beginning. Like that that's was a true like early two thousanders like homebrew. Yeah. So you got so you got drunk off uh, off Woodford. Yeah. Yep. Woodford. Decided to go on eBay and search for your passion. Yep. <laughs> I love and, it. and from that point on, like it, every, every free opportunity that I had, I was, was either conceptualizing a recipe or trying to figure out, okay, what's the next uh, you know piece of equipment that I need? Cause I started like most people with extract and I was doing, you know, infusions in, in the, the kettle that weren't, you know, I wasn't doing anything near all grain. And then was lucky enough to get in with some people that had bigger, better equipment. And then it became like collab brew days where let's get together and drink PBR for 12 hours and yeah, <laughs> and, and make 20 gallons of whatever. Yeah. So that was the beginning. And that, you know, that that was 15 years of doing that before I ever uh, clocked in as a professional in any way, shape or form. Hell so yeah. see, I, I love, uh, homebrew days. Uh, we just had our buddy Nathan and, um, a few weeks ago on a different episode. And, uh, we were talking about the, the great homebrewing days that we have usually on Sundays in his garage. I, I show up, I sit down and watch him work. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> just drink all the fancy beer that yeah. he has like laying around the fridge. Yeah. It's a bo- it <laughs> turns into a bottle share and he does all the work and it's great. You may be able to speak to this. The thing that I learned pretty quickly was a lot of people like to uh, to brew, but when it comes to cleanup, <laughs> oh yes, or it comes to like getting together to bottle, yeah, uh, oh yeah, you know those are those. That's when you realize like, okay, I don't want to do this with. And those are the same people that say we should throw like eight pounds of peat puree into the mash. <laughs> like, into the, like what? Yeah, it's like okay, you're gonna, you gonna clean that up. Yeah, these, gonna, are, uh... these are also <laughs> the same people that cook four course meals yeah. and don't want to do the dishes. Right. right yes. Exactly. No. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But. And, Oh. You weed those people out. Yeah. <laughs> Give them like the uh, infected batches from a few screw ups ago and they don't come back. This is great. <laughs> I will I will say that like flash forward like 17 years now and at Monic, you were hoping or uh, hosting like open sessions for people to mm-hmm. come and brew with you. 
We just had one uh, last weekend. Yep. Um, the Brew With Buddy concept was something that um, Ian, one of the other owners, had said, like, what if we did a day where we did a brew and we just invited people to come? And that's and like that vibe like you were just talking about. It's like you're just kind of hanging out in the show garage. And chilling. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, chilling. And uh, the first one that we did, um, like, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that there was interest in learning how to brew or, or learning the mechanics of it more than anything else. I, I didn't expect anyone to walk away from the experience and be like, I'm going to go home, become a home brewer. Um, so we like, I, I wrote a curriculum for the brew day. Uh, I don't remember how many pages it was, but it was a lot. Wow. <laughs> uh, I sent it to our, uh, our, our, our marketing and events person. Uh, she condensed it down into like a three page, user-friendly format <laughs> goddamn um, editors i i mean i it was something like 10 to 11 pages worth of stuff um can i get that yeah i want the, no, I want, for sure. I want the raw, manuscript raw format yeah. uh and then at that point uh we just you know posted that we were doing it and tickets started selling and i was like well we've already sold more tickets than i expected uh the first group of people that came um was like just a patchwork of 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 human beings like there was no i was expecting dudes in their you know early 20s mm-hmm. to to mid 40s and it was just a, a a full uh full array of of every human being like we had people that were retired and just curious about what beer was and how it was made uh there were um a couple of chemistry students at L that just wanted to see what chemistry was involved um, and, uh, guys brought their girlfriends and after it was all over, the girlfriends came up to our, uh, our, our marketing events person was like, this was really like really good. Awesome. I, I wasn't expecting it to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the momentum of it, uh, you know, translated into another one. Uh, that one was almost the same kind of mix of people. And then this last one that we did was only dudes, only guys that were interested in, in brewing, that, um, that's because you labeled it imperial style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we did pick a style for this one. We didn't announce the styles previously, but it was funny because the morning of uh, mashing in, there is nothing exciting or fun about that. And it's really hard to talk over the auger and all the machinery. So uh, I learned that after the first one because they watched me mash in for 50 minutes. <laughs> um, this one, we were just finishing mashing in. We were on the last bag. And I had kind of structured it specifically to where they would be showing up as that last bag was going in. Yeah. So I could talk about, well, this is what we're doing. And uh, one of our kitchen staff came back and she's like, buddy, there are a bunch of uh, middle-aged white dudes waiting for you up front. <laughs> <laughs> and I went up front. Well, I, I said, you should send them back. And, and they came around the back and uh, I was looking, I was like, these dudes are my age. And then I was like, Oh no. I will yeah. say like the, the, the way that you've made a programmatic approach to this and made it approachable. And I went to the, I believe it was the first, you one. were there for the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And just the, like you said, the array of people that were just curious and you can, you can go to a local Humber, like, you know, Nate's house and see that. But when you kind of see it all in full scale production, you're just like, you're not only like intimidated by it and you're like, this is where the magic happens. Um, part, part of what I wanted to do break was it down to give people yeah. the confidence to try it because yeah. the reality is you're going to make bad beer in the beginning because it's not an easy thing. You know, we, we we've been uh, trying to perfect this 
uh, as a species for un unnumbered years, yeah. you know, dating back past historical context. And it's it can be very unnerving and uncomfortable to think about venturing into it. But uh, I was lucky enough. The first book I bought was Papazian. And hell yeah. At the end of every chapter, after he tells you I'm all tired the of things. All these Palmerites around here trying <laughs> all... to be all persnickety with stuff. We have our uh, Charlie Papazian poster back there. Relax. Don't worry. Have a homebrew. Yeah, th that's the at the end of a chapter talking about all the ways you can mess up a beer. He's like, but yeah, don't worry. Have a homebrew. And I actually met him at. Uh, uh, Great American Beer Festival in 2008. I went as a bachelor party. Nice. Uh, some buddies <laughs> of mine, including the guy that I bought that beer kit with, uh, were like, "Man, we should for your for your bachelor party, we should go to the Great American Beer Festival." And this was like in June. I was like, "Let's buy tickets." I bought a ticket. No one else bought a ticket, so I went by myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no! And you I was walking me. around. Uh, the first day was. <laughs> There you oh, go. God. The first day was an absolute shit show. Uh, I was trying to alphabetically hit every brewery. Oh, no, and it's a nightmare. I, How quickly did you realize that was? Not right? I was. I was like, I was on F. Wow. And I was like hammered drunk. So you got and the fry guys or something? I don't even know. I wasn't having a good time at that point. I called everyone in my phone. I had a, like a flip phone, and I just like went. Next person call. <laughs> Next person call. And I remember talking to my Oma oh. and being like, Oma, they have so many beers here. It's so amazing. I love you. <laughs> That's uh, great. And then hanging up the phone. <laughs> but like that was that was you know what what I wanted to do, and that's that's was my bachelor party. The next day, I came in with a much better approach. I got a foot long meatball sub from Subway, and ate it right before we went in. Uh, and I was kind of like enjoying the the essence. I I generally don't like beer festivals, and I don't want to 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 shit on beer festivals at, in any way, shape, or form. But generally, they're not fun because it's a, a crowd of people yeah, banging lot. into each other. It's fussy. Yeah. Um, by the end of the the festival, it's it's a mess. Uh, the one exception that I will say uh, recently is uh, Craft Bash. If if you want to go to a really chill and enjoyable beer festival. Craft Bash is the one, but this was like that kind of atmosphere. Everybody was just having fun nice. and enjoying their time. And I come upon Charlie Bazinger. It's like, oh, that's Charlie Bazinger. Because I recognize yeah. him. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's very, uh, yeah. You pick him out in a crowd. He's this tall. Yeah. So I walk up and I'm like, hey, uh, I, I homebrew because of you. And, and, and I just, I just love, love you and thank you for all you do. He's like, oh, thank you. Yeah, can you like, talk to my grandma? <laughs> <laughs> I happen to have my copy of the second edition oh, nice, of Complete Joy of Homebrewing, and he signed it for me. Hell and yeah, that's awesome. What he wrote in there was, don't worry, have a homebrew. Love that. You took your copy of his book to GAB. It was, Hell yeah, well, dude. so I wanted to be. What if you start to worry? The line gets really long, and I didn't want to miss any time. <laughs> going to read. So while I was sitting in line for three hours, I read the cover to cover every brew book that I had. So buddy, right. you're that guy. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, <laughs> no that like happily that guy. Yeah, yeah. me too. That's you're, sharing, awesome. you're sharing so much with us. And, uh, I thought that was the point. That's Shit. great. That, that was a great. Did <laughs> you, did you go back to GABF afterwards? I haven't been a, since. Um, yeah. Uh, it would be something that I would like to revisit eventually. Uh, honestly, maybe from the other side of the table. Well, so, uh, it's weird to think about, but the the one uh, local that I remember running into there was Cumberland. Oh, nice. Okay. And wow. I, 
was a frequenter of Cumberland yeah. early on. And then shortly after Matt left, I kind of branched out to other things. And I remember walking by their booth and just like stopping to say hi. And they offered me a beer and I was like, no, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> not, as a, not as a dog, but like, I've only got so many beers I'm yeah, going to consume today. I know all of your beers. Yeah. Thank you so much. But no, it would be fun to go and, and be there as a brewer. Uh, we went to a craft uh, beer conference last year was in Denver. CBC. And it's, it's just such an amazing experience yeah. to be in that city. Um, for the you know as far as i'm concerned you're talking about like the hotbed of craft beer yep when the laws changed that was the place that it started because course was cool and would sell malt and hops to totally the the small guys around town so uh, similar to that cumberland story uh when i went to uh, shelton brothers in denver a few years ago uh that's how i reacted uh when i was asked to have a monic beer <laughs> so yeah i mean <laughs> i was like I would love to, but I'm also going to be there like in two days. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go stand in line for this like Fontaflora or, you know, uh, Cantillon or whatever. The, the only beer that I stood in line for when I was at the Great American Beer Festival was um, Dogfish Head was doing like a um, an ancient beers. Oh, yeah. Those are such arc. a fun series. Yeah. And I remember <coughs> it was the first night. <coughs> so I had left, you know. E or D to to go and do that. And uh I had a book that I was keeping track of all the beers that I tried. Of course you did. And uh uh I went through the dogfish headline, stood there for a while. Uh Sam was there nice. and I talked to him and I was I was probably gushing. And in the next the next day when I got up, I opened up the book and I'm going through it. I was like, okay, yeah, I remember that beer. That was great. Beer. And I got down to the dogfish portion and I wrote the Obama. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and then I just had like a bunch of stars and hearts next to me. I was like, what deal? Okay. So the next day I go back in, walk up, stand in line, get up there. I was like, could I get the Obama? <laughs> and Sam was like, what? I was like, the Obama is what I wrote in my book. And he's like, oh, tail Broma. <laughs> that's, oh, that's great that's i thought because obama did brew beer when he was in the white house yeah. well and it was like and uh whatever else they made yeah i i that's what i associated with i was like that this word that's great the, <laughs> that makes sense to the me. obama i uh yeah i mean b the general topic of beer festivals real fast they're they're good they have a they have a place um i i enjoy them i enjoy being part of them and introducing people two new beers and new breweries and i think that's that's an incredible journey uh it's not necessarily one i'm looking for for me personally at this point that being said um there are great ones locally here in louisville of course what i would love to see more of is more you know specific style festivals yeah sure more sour festivals more barrel age festivals uh but beyond that one thing that i haven't been to that i'd really like to go to next is uh, uh taste great taste of the midwest mm. and that's, that's coming up I know, and I'm I'm tempted. So the vibe on that from everyone that I know that's been to it is like my first experience with with Great American Beer Festival or my experience with um, Craft Bash. Um, the the vibe is just different. It's not like a rush of of people trying to drink as many beers as possible. It's very calculated. I want to go here. I want to taste this. I want to enjoy it. I'm not here to to try to marathon through 
you know, a hundred servings of beer. I'm sure. here to enjoy what I'm tasting. So that's one on my bucket list as well. Um, I know people that have gone and that's, that's what they say about it is that it's just really chill and you know, everyone's there to drink good beer. It's, it's, uh, I think that should be the approach for anybody who wants to start a beer festival. Yeah, totally. How do we make this chill? How do we make this enjoyable for everybody? Don't make it a body count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Take it, take your time. Yeah. Try something. Yeah. Try something. Try, Relax. Nice. Try a few things. Go to the silent disco. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the silent disco. So, buddy, we, uh, we do always ask someone that comes on to bring us a little something. Yeah, to yeah you've see. been sharing all these great stories. Yeah. Do you have anything else uh, to share? A little, little show guys, and tell segment. Do you guys want meat or beer first or both? You brought meat. I brought meat. Oh, Hell yeah. Wow. I like meat. So he texted me. Bring one thing that is beer that you love and bring one thing that is not beer that you love. And I love meat. So, all right. Oh, yeah, that's not beer. Let's do it. Um, my Desert Island beer. Oh, oh. you're going to see that. Number 10. This was one of those homebrew uh, excursions to try to make something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody the, tries to do that. This one. is this is Roquefort 10. Yeah. yeah, I read about this beer and I was like that beer is everything that I want from beer and then I was like okay, started started studying the style and this before distribution was was anything like what it is now. The only place you could find this type of stuff was across the river with Todd at yeah, Keg Liquors. That's right. So it was an excursion to go over there and see what he had. The first time I had one was from him. Um I'm going to pop this. Yeah, guys, please. Let's do it. You guys I think pour. you're the second person to bring Roquefort. Because it's really Who good. Who Liz. Liz. That's right. Yeah, Liz, Liz Bale. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pull company. these. And I'm going to cut some meat. But I don't know if she brought the 10 I, or I if the 12. Like eight? Or the 8? I think she brought the 8. So for people who haven't had the, so the, 10, the trap double? sales before, these 10's are the double, like, right? Uh, this is the... Quad. Oh. Yeah. Authentic Trappist beer. The Belgians are known for making high ABV beers that have and low ABV beers, but they just have uniquely distinct kind of a malt characters. But then most importantly than anything, just that yeast character. Uh, you really can't get those flavors that come from that. Those like hundreds of years old Belgian yeast. All right. Sorry. I'm not going to interrupt you, but what, David, describe what Buddy's doing right now. So Buddy, Buddy just pulled out this meat. It's thick. And a giant cleaver. And cleave. And right now he's just uh, slicing it up. Yeah, we're eat some meat. We're nice little meat board. This is uh, this, this thing on me. This is the second time somebody's brought food yeah, on the podcast, yeah, and right. I uh, I love the trend. I'm, I'm behind it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm eating. I I have an inclination as to where this meat came from, but I'm gonna let Buddy tell the story. Oh yeah, um, I made this meat. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> you you sir are dealing with the meat. So I don't know how to present this other than Hell yeah. oh, it's, it's presented right now. It's in... oh, yeah! oh, <laughs> the first appropriate use of the nailed it. button on the podcast. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, saltines because we we're not fancy. Nope. That looks great, man. Uh, so yeah, great. this is uh, served on wood, so you know it's good. This yeah. is uh, a venison summer sausage that I made from a deer that I uh, processed. Hell yeah. Um, super simple. Uh, deer meat. Pork, make your farce. There's garlic, uh, jalapeno, um, all the seasonings that you would expect in a summer sausage. And then shout out to my boy Nick with G Town Heat. Yeah, some good stuff right there. 
Uh, check him out. He makes locally made hot sauce. delicious locally made hot sauce. This is super. That's super incredibly hot. hot. It's, it's really hot. Yeah, <laughs> but let's, some let's of this it. is in there. So okay, okay. Uh, grab a slice. Let's do it. Did I get a pour? Oh man, I got to drink it. Yeah, out we the got bottle. you right there, man. Thank you, sir. Um, this is and this we got we got some uh, little mustard too. Ingelhofer stone ground mustard. Yeah, I mean that's the German. Uh, the oh, I'll, I think I just messed things up. <laughs> I think you're fine. Oh, all good. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, buttons. So, yeah. so, so I told John not to use the buttons, but now you're just. You, know. <laughs> you guys invited me. So mustard, meat, cracker. Oh yeah! Please, great, please enjoy. That's fantastic. Nothing excessively hot, but also you know you got there's a tickle. It's been a while since I've had this beer too, by the way, and that's mm-hmm. so refreshing too. I, I think this is uh, to me. Um, so my grandfather uh, went to World War II, was a POW in Germany for two years, came home, and then got a job at Gethsemane Farms. Oh wow, really? And so he worked there for fifty-four years before retiring. Wow. And so I have this connection to this Trappist concept of of living outside of the beer. The beer is the fun part, but just like, uh, you know, those those guys have a dedication to any number of things, yeah. whether it's uh, the, the, their studies, their meditations on on what it means to be alive and how to live. Yeah. For um, them, brewing is like a form of prayer almost exactly absolutely a meditation or like at a, labora mm-hmm. and work, yeah. we uh we were lucky enough as uh kids that my dad would take us and we oh, wow. would we would go and we'd hang out and we'd go and hang out with the monks and i remember specifically there was a monk named ambrose and ambrose would uh take us back to the the back areas of of the the monastery and he raised raccoons and we would play with the raccoons <laughs> and then he, amazing, and dude. then he would give us uh whole hershey bars wow that might have been saint francis like uh come back <laughs> i i super hate to interrupt you this is fucking amazing. Yeah, really uh, amazing. and i was gonna say too how well it goes with the beer actually like that's a fantastic combo so i think anything hot whether it's the spice mm-hmm. from the mustard spice from the the meat this beer is going to yeah. work well with it. Because yeah. that maltiness grounds out the heat, but then like that interesting yeast character really works with some kind of heaty, garlicky kind of stuff too. And malty, but not sweet. Yeah, right. exactly. Like it's not yeah. sugary. It's just, it's got a nuance. I think it's one of the best beers on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, You're not alone in that opinion. Is, wasn't that for at least a long time regarded as the best beer on the planet by people who rate beer on things? Was that before? Maybe that was a twelve. I don't remember, but yeah, before the haze craze hit. Yeah, before before everything. I don't know, shit. man. This looks pretty hazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a long time staple, and will continue to be so. Of That's course, really good. Yeah, but well, it was to me a holy grail beer because I couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah. and I read about it in homebrew magazines. I'm like, this got a ninety six, and then they talked about all the things that you could taste in it. I was like, I want to taste that, and part of the reason why. I got as deep into brewing as I did was because I didn't have access to these beers. And I think that was the the uh, kind of impetus for, you know, when 78 and the, and the laws changed, that was a portion of why uh, you saw this surge in craft beer was because yeah, somebody agree. wanted to make a traditional Eng- English brown and maybe they, they've had an English brown and they know what it's supposed to taste like. And they were trying to recreate that here. 
and I, I draw inspiration from this beer. I draw inspiration from the 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 Trappist concept and, and just the 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 focus and and drive of of that concept. It also happens to align with our branding. Yeah, monic. Monic yeah. means monk. Um, I don't know. I, I think this is the perfect beer. I, I wouldn't do anything to change it. Nope. And the the uh, fact is, I've had this beer so many times over the course of so many years, and it always tastes the same. Yeah. That's one of the, my favorite things about that. You know, you you talked a little bit ago about the like just a long history of brewing and humanity and stuff. The Belgians uh, and you know the Trappists in particular um, are some of the people who have like helped cultivate that the most uh, in Belgium. Like if you go to these you know monastic breweries and stuff like that. One of the steps that we always think of in brewing is I'm sure I'm sure you wrote like two or three pages on this in your uh, manifesto for Brew with Buddy, but it's like pitching the yeast and just all that stuff. They don't really even think about that over there a lot of the times. The the pitching of the yeast just means putting it in this room that the same beer has been brewed in for hundreds and hundreds oh, and yeah. hundreds of years. The yeast live in the walls. They've outcompeted any other wild microbes or wild yeast strains that might get in there. Like it's a, the, the building is the way that you pitch. It's incredibly cool. To think Absolutely. About. And to bring it to the like modern age, your, your point being like, this is always consistent. It's always good. You can talk about haze, sour, yeah. whatever. You can always pick this up off the shelf. And yeah. You know exactly where you're getting. Yeah. The, they always list a, a drink by date 2026. So We're good. <laughs> yeah. Which the confidence Insane. The audacity. I don't I don't like it if beer's out in the market longer than three months. Yeah. These guys are like, no, nah, you, you can hang That's on fine. to that. Well, <laughs> pray more. And like uh, <laughs> pray, drink, and eat. Uh, so another philosophical point. Do you think because you and I are of the same, you know, generational and kind of got into brewing around the same time? And that my story is very similar to yours, and like try these European beers, can't get them. Do you think the kids are spoiled these days? Do you think that it's too easy to get so much stuff like how, how does it impact the, the, the psyche of the, the next generation of home brewers and brewers in general? I mean, I would compare it to like growing up with the internet or not. Sure. Yeah. Like, Ooh, that's good. we didn't have the internet. We didn't have a computer until I was 13 or 14 and our internet was dial up. So it wasn't really the internet. It I remember was, I had Microsoft Encarta on like eight CD ROMs and I would, that was how I was. So like, we would, <laughs> we would stockpile the AOL free hundred hours yeah. discs. Yeah. Yeah. And every time you burn through one, you throw the next one in. But yeah. no, the, the, the good thing is that there's more exposure for the, the new beer drinker. Um, there, there are styles uh, that, will intrigue and draw in any number of, of, of demographic, um, you know, Monix specifically we're, we're approaching it, trying to do classic styles and execute them really well. Um, but you've got pastry sours and, and barrel aged stouts, and you've got hazy IPAs and all these other categories that are going to bring in a completely different, di different demographic yeah. than what we bring in, uh, a completely demographic from what I grew up you know, drinking beer, those things didn't exist. <clears throat> and I guarantee you a 21 year old me would drink uh, a pastry, something and be like, Oh man, this is great. It tastes <laughs> like pie. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the, the joke is it's beer for people that don't like beer, but the reality is the culture, uh, like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. No, that's the people that grow up and say, Bud Light is beer. And you know, it, it's, one in the same 
but it's craft and people want to label it as kitsch sometimes but it's like this is how you get yeah. people in the door and when they go to a place like mine they're like oh this place sucks they don't have any hazy ipas mm-hmm. no kale sour and it's like let me explain to you if you like beer then you're gonna like this and you're gonna you know venture out and that that's where the appreciation comes from for sure yeah. and part of that is us making that connection as the brewery if someone's like uh do you have any sours no but we've got assortment of saisons yeah, yeah. you know like if you like more acidic beers we can accommodate you and we're probably going to have you try something that you didn't expect um maybe it's good to you maybe it's not but like the reality is your your beer drinker um, the modern beer drinker, the young beer drinker, they're going to be going looking for those types of styles. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of people that do them really well. Um, those same people can turn around and make a delicious Kolsch yeah. or a, a, a absolute banger American lager. Like it, it doesn't have to be isolated to one specific thing for our particular branding. That's kind of where we land is traditional styles approach with that, that we want to bring the weird to it. So Saison with ginger and sriracha ace. That's such a good beer. Yeah, your ginger saison just, is a banger. Just tap today. So. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has to try that one. It's amazing. But like like I said, that's we want to approach the the uh, the person that doesn't necessarily know that style and make it in a way that they will appreciate it or be able to be engaged with it. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the the access that the modern beer drinker has. Because you be, have to innovate too, or yeah. else we just all stagnate. You know? Well, I could be like the get off my lawn guy, but <laughs> like I'm not. I, I think it's great that that there are so many different styles because the moment you step foot no. in the brewery, no, you're I'm there. Not, I'm not like, taking that meat tray back. We've been passing it back and forth. It's so good. Great I, job on that. One. I yeah, won't that's, take it that's any amazing, further. dude. Really, really well done. Super, super cool. Do you want to talk I, about the hot sauce? No. I, would, I would just love to try it yeah, again. It's been it's been a while. Are you gonna do it? Put it on a cracker. That would be the easiest. Yeah, easiest uh, vehicle. So Nick Wilson, who used to run our front of house um, here in Germantown, yeah, he does this as a hobby at home and started marketing it. And these are like peppers, onions, garlic. He ferments them. He uh, pasteurizes the bottles. He does nothing else. So and this you one thought that your glasses were fogging up. Before. <laughs> you yeah. were about to be very so, hot. It hasn't hit me yet. So I will say before I take this in, I've had it before uh, in two different ways. I've had it uh, within my chicken chili, which is amazing Ooh. and very hot. Oh, um, buddy, that's and, all and buddy is doing all of it. And David, it's your turn, too, because you're. I, I won't be able to speak. I've had Sneaking it. up on it's me. Um, so he doesn't say what it is, but I can tell by the taste. This is the scorpion pepper one. Mm-hmm. Mm. It'll just have. Ticks how many, like, of yeah. how many fire, <clears throat> but it's amazing. It really is good too because there's some hot sauces that just get so. It's not hot for the sake of hot. It tastes exactly. like something. It's actually really good. Light vinegary, super flavorful. You get the garlic kind of coming out, and the vinegar is the fermentation. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a fermented on that. Yeah, I yep. didn't know yeah. He did that. Oh, of yeah. course he does. Oh. The heat's coming up to me now, but as of yet, it's not unbearable. It's actually very pleasant. Just, just a pleasant it, heat. Give it about sixty seconds. Okay, fine. Well, I think the last time I did this was on, like. Maybe Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we met up with some friends. I was yes. with uh, with uh, Dylan and Megan. Yeah. 
uh, hanging out at the Monic, and uh, I decided to get some for the for the hell of it. And uh, yeah, it's it's catching up. Yeah, John, I, sh- how, I showed how you up late. I, I, I'm okay with hot stuff. Uh, to me, this is almost perfect. Like it is hot, but I'm not like crying, and my uh, glasses aren't fogging up anymore. It's the endorphin thing. Like yeah. you, you get enough of that hot. That your brain's like, oh yeah, this yeah, is that's something's happening. Allergy season here in Kentucky. You can go spend money on like Benadryl and your neti pots. Uh, go buy a bottle of the Nick's hot sauce. I, I get the same endorphin rush from drinking a really good beer. Yeah. So welcome to is... another episode of the Hot Ones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will say that Christmas Eve, I showed up after you all had already experienced this hot yeah. sauce, and you're like, hey, "No, just put a little dab on it." I'm like, "Oh, well, no problem." And I was like, "What do I put on?" You're like, "Spent grain bread." And I'm like, "Surely that won't be that much." And I'm like, "I'm sweating." Um, but so I, I think it does make you sweat. Yeah, oh, yeah. I am sweating. I domed one of those. My eyes are. What's the hottest one now? The Reaper, the Ghost. Like, what's the current hottest pepper? Uh, so the hottest pepper is the the Pepper X. Oh my uh, god! Smoking Ed Curry. That's even a new one. I've never even heard of. Uh, he is like the the pepper god, and he he's the one that's made like Carolina Reaper and all these different iterations. Basically, what he does is over generation, like hundreds of generations of pepper plants, he crossbreeds the hottest ones until he comes up with something new. Sadist. Uh, <laughs> former addict. Really? Oh. That you got to get your fix somewhere. Chasing his high yeah, is this like now, which is great. Thing, like yeah, saying, like yeah, yeah, it takes that. him to a place where like he's poured his entire life into this, and it's what he's passionate about. All of There's, his taste buds too. <laughs> <laughs> he can eat some stuff that like I imagine. yeah, like he he is next level. But like the the hottest hot pepper currently I've had, and the thing about the sauce that I had it in is they approached it by making a craft hot sauce oh yeah okay they didn't just make the hottest sauce on the planet if you've ever had the bomb beyond insanity that is a garbage hot sauce yeah it's, it's chemical burn yeah it's horrible this was hotter than that but also tasted like something it had yeah. those fruit notes that you get from habanero it had that um God, it's gonna sound bad but like that dead yeah sure yeah like vibe like it's yeah. got some death to it well even now with like the um and maybe it's the fermentation that kind of makes that work but the heat isn't just like yeah chemically it keeps that kind of like garlicky presence it's very very nice yeah yeah well done well slow done. burn slow burn thanks nick i'm still waiting for it to kick in oh look at the the sinuses <laughs> i would say that one thing that would cool this off would be uh martin house hot dog water seltzer <laughs> Yeah, uh, is that a thing? It, it is. It was just uh, just announced. Uh, I think last week. Are you familiar with Wait, Martin is this, House? Are we serious? Yeah. Are you are you are you familiar with Martin House? Out of this Texas? is over. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, you can't He's just getting... press the buttons. What's really What's really funny is Buddy probably uh, has a better understanding of the buttons than I do right now. <laughs> B B is the funk. B, B brings the funk. C is clapping. A is not the rim shot. D is the rim shot. Well, good, good work. Um, <laughs> have y'all ever done the, the one chip challenge? Just real fast. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worst night of my life. It was awful. It, 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 it went out. As, so the thing about the capsaicin is uh, you have uh, a natural enzyme in your saliva that will break it down. But if you don't chew long enough, you just fully torch your system. Oh. And do you know the only other part of your body that allegedly has taste buds, according to the internet? Your sphincter? Yeah. Yeah. 
That was a guess. Like that was a guess. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> ring of fire. Because of course. So I ate it and I was like, oh, because it's just, it's all just dried pepper. Yep. And I was like, I'm going to get this out of my mouth as quickly as possible. I, because <laughs> I have a ding, ding. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> I, I noshed it, swallowed it. And then I woke up at like 2 a.m. Like I thought I was going to die. Yeah. It just like, tears you up. Man. I thought it was appendicitis. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it was, it was awful. Um, I didn't have any like dairy or anything in the house to really like help. So I did have. Um, milk stouts. Okay, <laughs> so that that did help, I like allevi- alleviate a little bit. That. Yeah, but I think that night I had some friends over, and that was just part of the, the challenge, I guess. I just remember watching uh, Dunkirk for the first time. Oh yeah, and just having a miserable experience because I was just like, I feel <laughs> awful. Like these I'm people in Dunkirk still. didn't go through shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm <laughs> so th- there's this uh, this thing that we learned at our uh, we did a sensory panel with the guys from BDAS. Uh, a couple of months back in uh, at Ethereal in Lexington. And one of the things that we did the day of the first day was there was a neuroscientist uh, from UK that came in and talked about your brain and how you perceive things and all the, all the elements that go into uh, locking in uh, an experience. And there's the, the PAPE circuit in your brain, which, uh, you know, frontal lobe is like, I'm enjoying this. This is fun. And then like, forget it. The PAPE circuit is triggered through trauma. Okay. Oh. So Dunkirk will probably always be mm-hmm. locked into your brain because you were going through <laughs> absolute hell while watching it. So next time you watch Dunkirk, you're probably going to get diarrhea as what you're telling me. <laughs> uh, they, For the rest of your life. They reference the, uh, the nature of like being in med school or being like a resident. David. Amateur hour. I can't take him anywhere. Amateur hour. <laughs> uh, but he said that like part of their training for memorizing all the stuff that you have to memorize was they would make it a traumatic experience. Oh, do wow! So okay. that it would lock into sure. their pape circuit, and then it becomes that part is incredibly of- fucked up. Do not tell like the kids these days that like take Adderall and all that crap about that. They'll well, be, like- it's uh, <laughs> it reminded me of uh, the the terrific movie from the nineties, uh, Street Fighter, starring Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, obviously, obviously a top ten perfection. Where, where they have the they're uh, they're creating Blanca, and the, the way that they try to make him a bad guy is they just play like heinous shit on <laughs> on a screen for him for an extended period of time yeah. but he turns out being a real sweet character totally yeah of course uh i'm gonna pop another uh, yeah let's do it man yeah. whatever you yeah. got let's do it so he said bring what was it uh one thing you love that that's is beer. beer okay one thing that you love that is not beer bottle you- conditioned beer is a broad category. I yep. brought three different bottle conditioned things. Oh, so. hell yeah. Oh, Should I get so, more tasting cups? I have a bunch in my car. Uh, sure. Get some meat. Why not? Make small um, time. While, uh, while John's getting tasting cups and while Buddy's preparing the, the next uh, delicacy for us. Uh, yeah, so we, we joked a second ago about Martin House Brewing in, out of Fort Worth, Texas. And, you know, they've been up to shenanigans over the years. It's some, it's some weird stuff. Um, they've made like... Uh, what hot Cheeto beer, which I've also made during COVID. Uh, it was, n- no, it, it was through a beer press. It wasn't okay. Well, okay yeah. You it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, not, not even that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I literally just use a coffee press and just let's, took like whatever. Let's, do all, three. So, let's do all three. Let them rip. All three. Yeah. We already did one. We're doing number two. Right? Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, Slow your roll down. <laughs> so Martin House Brewing out of Fort Worth is launching a new flavor at Glizzy Fest, an event honoring the American favorite hot dog. 
If you're wondering what a glizzy is, it's slang for hot dog. Uh, but yeah, they are making a hot dog water flavored seltzer. Uh, 5.2%. with Pediacacus and they're like, we cannot dump this or our business is going bankrupt. It's called the Awesome Sauce. Bun length hot dog water seltzer. 5.2%. Um, you know, they, they, they've made stuff like best made sour pickle beer, which is probably one of their most famous ones. Uh, Murph juice, uh, which is a, a barbecue sauce beer, Buffalo wings, a Buffalo wing sauce, sour beer, that was a good and, uh, an elf theme beer too, with a uh, spaghetti you know, syrup and uh, M&Ms. God. So it's, it's kids these days. I'm telling you, it's, man. it's kids these days. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Speaking of hot dog flavored stuff, uh, it's going to be a good segue. Blue Moon stuff. tastes like a hot dog water to me. I could kind of get that with the coriander. They do so much like, coriander. Yeah. Coriander is one of the main ingredients in processed hot dogs. I didn't know that mm-hmm. when I made this determination that I can't oh. stand Blue Moon because <laughs> the coriander is so heavy that it tastes like hot dog water to me because know. at vacation Bible school as a child, <laughs> the, the most efficient way to hot uh, to heat up 80 hot dogs was to throw them in a crock pot turn it oh, on yeah, man. Oh, and yeah. then the resulting gelatinous goo that was in the crock pot i drank it as a kid and that's what fermented into you you drank it oh yeah but that's what that is exactly so much, what that's, so blue that, moon tastes like to me so I'm, I'm just gonna say spencer uh guy who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago and david from blue stallion spencer from uh, akasha at the time uh they made a hot dog water beer at Blue Stallion uh, one year for oh, I, I lessons in craft beer. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, apparently, according to Bl- uh, Brandon Flown, it was not that bad. Was it but, salty, like trying to do like the Goza thing, but with a lot of coriander? Uh, or was there actual was hot there dog water? I, I think it was hot dog water and like ale yeast. I'll defend no. this for one second. I have made before beers that were never intended to drink. The original way was when my. My dad, when I was a kid, my dad would make wine. One time we made a garlic wine. You're not really supposed to drink it, but for marinating chicken or for like cooking with, you can't beat it. I've made beers before just to make beer can chicken with, like just throw a bunch of mustard seed, garlic, onions in there. It tastes terrible, but damn, does it make a good like beer can chicken or beer brats? So, buddy, what are we drinking? Yeah. So this is uh, underfoot and overhead. Oh, that smells amazing. So this is a collab that we did with uh, Amelia and Sue at Shipping Port. Nice. Um, friends of the show and uh, I mean two of the best brewers in the state yep um, we had conceptualized doing a, a brew where uh, Amelia was like I want to use um, uh, flour what flour is it jeez Lou Blanken there's too many beers in my system and the hot <laughs> sauce is still you still feel it mine's, mine's uh, subsided I, I, but you took way more than yeah, us yeah yeah true yeah. so magnolia flour when dried and added to uh, to to a beverage uh, made into a tea or whatever uh, has a very young ginger character to it. So not like that spicy hot that you get from ginger, it's, but it's all floral. of those characters. Yeah. Um, and then the aroma to me from that. So I, my neighbor has this huge magnolia tree kind of in our side yard. And it was the night before the snow that we had in March. And I knew that there was going to be snow. Her tree had blossomed. And I was like, all those blossoms are going to get fried and be done. Um, I went over and knocked on the door and I was like, Hey, uh, I know we don't, I know we don't talk and you have no idea who I am. Is there any chance that you would be cool with me climbing around in a tree for a couple hours and pulling every magnolia blossom out of it? So I got up in this tree and I'm, I'm going around, I get uh, a total of like five pounds. So a lot. put them in the oven, dehydrated them at home. The house smelled like what the spirit smells like. 
we wanted to add another foraged element. So we went to uh, Jefferson Memorial Forest, walked the trails. Uh, we had that weird cold snap where just like nothing was budding. There were no mushrooms. There just wasn't like the flora and the fauna were non-existent at that time. And I just read uh, Scratch's book and they used uh, wild grapevine. Um, and the elements that you get from the wild grapevine are obvious, a woody character, but also this really nice Venice like depth, almost like a Cabernet Sauvignon sure. kind of thing. Yeah. And so I was like, let's do that. So I roasted those as well. We turned it into a beer. We took the resulting beer, uh, a, a small portion of it, put it in bottles with Brettanomyces. Okay. Uh, this beer is uh, one of those, you know, passion projects for us. These beers don't sell really well. Doesn't matter. I'm going to continue to try to make. They podcast well. I can tell you right there now. There you go. This is very good. So um, the smell is going to be that I weird, get the magnolia like floral, with the little woody, and then ginger, the shows up too. and then the wood, yeah. and then the Brett is 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 subtle. It's um, uh, Brett Dre, Dre. Do you? I never try to be able to pronounce those things. Brett, I, I've, always just, I've always just yeah, heard it's, Brett it's, A, it's B, C. Brett D. Yeah. The, the drink. Yeah, yeah. You got the D, you got the C. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. That's very, very nice. And it's very smooth, honestly, for like the amount of uh, kind of grit forage kind of stuff you guys put in mm -hmm. there. It's really, really nice and mellow might not be the right word, but it's really balanced. It's just smooth. Yeah. Yeah, and the I mean, this is this is not a light beer. This is uh, north of six percent. I don't okay. remember exactly. And the the Brett has dried it out to a point to where um, I don't know it it drinks softer and crisper mm -hmm. than, it, than it originally was. So taking something, putting it in a bottle, and treating it with a traditional approach. Yeah, like that's the, that's why we call it the classic series. And Monarch was one of the first people around that I can recall in Louisville um, that kind of started doing those like and, and ATG's always had it and um, Amelia did a lot of those wild sour things at against the grain back in the day uh, so shout outs there but you guys really kind of took it to another level too which is always having some stuff aging and getting funky in barrels or otherwise or bottle conditioning um, I remember one of the first beers I, I can't remember the name of it but it was like a double like dry hop galaxy IPA thing that you guys barrel aged milk for a while. Milk yeah, that was great that was such a good beer dude like that was I was like Okay, like this is this this is great. So that predates me. That was 2017, um, but um, many years ago. That uh, me that beer will exist that. again. That, that oh, right, really? We we have a, a Brett uh, tank now, so we've dedicated Ooh. a uh, a fermenter to Brett. We've dedicated assemblages, tri clamps, uh, hoses. So there's no there's uh, no uh, chance. Yeah, of... well, it's it, mostly superstition, but yeah, there's no chance of cross contamination. We've turned it into uni tank, so it's got a carb stone. Um, the broken face payload that we have right now is the first of that series. Heck yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, but we'll continue to do uh, either partial Brett or full Brett uh, fermentations in the future. And the milk leg is like one of the first like thoughts when we, we were conceptualizing dedicating a, a yeah. space to that is let's do that one again so that, that was a double ipa galaxy uh, hop yeah, galaxy. with brett incredible yep. really unique profile especially like you mentioned five six years ago almost um i don't think people were ready for that they're, they're probably still not ready for that we don't care we're not ready. Ready. <laughs> my body is ready it, it was good <laughs> yeah it was great it was exceptional um, and that's one of the things too, just to be, we talk often about like, where is Louisville in terms of like, you know, a burgeoning beer city and whatnot. Uh, but 
we've kind of started to reach like the critical mass of breweries where it does kind of start to feel like we're a beer town, which we are, but it's super, super cool to start to see people experimenting and getting funky and like aging stuff and bourbon barrel aging stuff is something we hope to see more of, but then the sour programs too are starting to evolve. If you guys want a preview. Yeah. Uh, part of, uh, sometime in the summer, um, before Scott passed, he had asked me to, to kind of take charge of the, the barrel program. And I took it really seriously and put a lot of thought and, and, and kind of planning into it. And then when he passed away, it was just like tragic. Everything's, you know, completely fucked up right now. Let's just get through day to day. Um, we've been able to kind of revisit that concept. I currently have, uh, uh our foreign extra stout, which if you frequent the brewery, yeah. uh, Imram, um, modeled out after the export stout, um, the the guinness concept not the sweet export stout um and then we put that in barton barrels we've got uh old ale um in uh, bourbon barrels i believe they're heaven hill old ale can age so incredibly well people oh, yeah. people sleep on old ale <laughs> uh we've got never be gold barley wine Amazing which is oh, uh, yeah you know, it's so good got some barley wine yeah. people just like when I talk to people about the fact that this beer is working currently in barrels, they're like, Oh my God, it's my favorite beer that you guys have ever done. So I'm really excited because I, I never had that beer and I don't know why just, there was a point in time where I didn't, I didn't yeah. interact with that beer. And then we've got, so uh, I, I will say real fast that uh, I was actually given a, uh, a question from a listener which I forgot about until just this very second. <laughs> but uh, John King. When are we going to make? But John King specifically asked me to ask Jesus. you about barley wine. Uh, what does he want to know? Uh, he just said, ask him about barley wine. <laughs> well, John, uh, John King. That is shout, the question. Yeah. So he's one of the people that uh, I, I text with frequently enough because he is very familiar with the brand. Uh, he's been there since the beginning. Uh, he's been there since before the beginning because he would bug Scott about like are you making enough beer germantown can germantown can really put away some beer do you have enough and scott eventually walked him into the the, <laughs> the cooler and like showed him all of the reserves of beer that he had kind of you know built up leading up to the opening uh he and i texted i think last night it might be last night about the fact that we're bringing back there would be gold and uh he was like oh man you got to do this that or the other and i think he said uh, ta uh where there's originals and I, <laughs> I, I texted back Heath bar. Oh, I dig it. I dig <laughs> it. And then I was like, you know what? Uh, s'mores pop tart. Uh, but really like the, the, the brilliant thing about having that beer down there in that cellar in three different barrels is we're going to be able to do three variant yeah. options. So one no. will be the just straight barrel aged, uh, barley wine. One, we will probably do the never be violet which is the blueberry uh, version. That was an incredible beer. That yeah. I, I yeah. really, that whole event was like awesome. Wasn't sure that was ever going to be reproduced. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we'll, we have a third option. It's not going to be where there's originals. <laughs> Sorry, John King. Sorry, John. <laughs> uh, but like fig would be great. He also suggested mm -hmm. fig, which we had talked about. Uh, let's talk about I, this off air. I will say I, I have a fig tree that produces. Okay, so, Michael, you can keep those details to yourself. Dude. Unlike John King. If you unlike John King, because he doesn't have a fig tree that produces burn. Uh, but I burn. burn. Fig burn. So I'm just saying if you need, you know, we're we're about to hit the the first time they they uh they you know they, they have two seasons. Once we we could call it Kentucky Proud if we got it from a 
Yeah, we could we could call it something else too. <laughs> G Town Brown. Yeah. G Town like Brown. I like it. Yeah. I like well, it. Thank you so much, buddy, for coming on. Um wanna pass it around the table, see if anybody's got anything to plug. Michael? Uh, I wasn't uh, w- wasn't really prepared for that one yet. Well, that was a quick transition to the outro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> he's been like I, nudging me. Uh, <laughs> you're I'll, talking too much, man. Okay, but but I was really excited about this. I, I, we've been talking about um, all day today, so I'll plug one of your own beers, and I'm just going to butcher the name, but I believe Inception is in the name of the beer. Yeah. Um, so, so sold out. <laughs> it's already oh, sold really? out. Good, yeah. good job. Didn't That's it just fantastic. go like yesterday? Amazing. So it was announced on Monday. Dang. So, uh, it's Wednesday right now. So. That That's beer, incredible, dude. It's a six so, Yeah, we, we have been doing, uh, just for the last like two weeks, random like six of stuff because I feel like it's important to keep a dark option on. Uh, we we are not producing HDM during the summer months because it just doesn't work within our, our his dark materials. Yes, sorry, doesn't work Which within is an our. Amazing beer too. Our, it is, but it doesn't sell during the summer months. Sure. So we're trying to make sure that we're one highlighting what we do, two making sure that uh, a tap handle is not going to sit with a beer that's going to yeah. be on too long. Uh, so we we did Odinatsit, which is our Russian Imperial that we held on to for a year. Uh, we did our Baltic Porter, which we also held on to for a year. And then we did the Laraha with the coffee that was aged in the barrel that the beer came out of. And it's gone. Yeah, that's, that's what, I, that's what I want to know about. So uh, don't don't worry about that beer. Instead, I'll plug. Uh, <laughs> instead, it's going to be this episode is going to be released around the 4th of July. So instead, I'll plug the mile wide yearly release of Quiet Science Boomsicle. It is a American sour ale with sweet cherry, raspberry, key lime. Uh, it t- it Basically t- the same thing as those barrel it's a, it's a, Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, a, if you're looking for a 4th uh, of July release on Friday, little tease, uh, we made a rice lager, international rice lager with Amelia at Shippingport that we're going to tap uh, probably Friday going into yeah. the, the weekend. So super crisp, uh, delicious rice lager, not to step on anybody's toes. <laughs> Uh, but it uh, it's called Derai Boy, Derai Boy, because Derai Boy. Uh, the D O R A I B O I. Love it. Because in Japanese, when you translate Dry Boy, it's Derai Boy. Ah. Uh, originally, I was going to call it Crispy Boy, but Crispy Boy translates to like three different words <laughs> that aren't aren't. There, there's no catchiness to them. Yeah. So yeah, look forward to drinking this beer, the Boomsicle. Yeah, the Boomsicle. And maybe a international rice lager this weekend. That sounds great. And also, yeah. as you're saying that, I'm I'm okay. Here, here we go. Shout out Stillwater because I'm drinking the extra dry rice saison. Yeah, they too. just had that at the little Germantown um, Craft House. I was like, I haven't seen that for a while. It was always one of my favorite beers to yeah. drink a few years ago, and I've I, I've started seeing it pop up a little bit more now. So shout out to Stillwater. Yeah, sure. Awesome branding there. Like that's that is that's a beer the that new you mead? see. Sake is the new mead. Guys. Mead, mead is always the mead new is mead. life. Sake so, is the new mead. So what's mead now? Mead is, is mead corn, the, corn is mead the old sake? Yeah, <laughs> mead is the uh, mead is the hazy. Yeah, mead uh, is the mission quest for the Dungeons and Dragons convention. Also brought a uh, uh, Basque style cider. So David is the so show after, over. So you after, after, after the... no, I like cider. You want to try cider, David, or is the show <laughs> so, over? I think I find. Let's and try the cider. Time. We're <laughs> drinking cider. So, do you like Aren't cider? Aren't you guys glad that's, I didn't these that's the question. Is it is it yeah, dry? Yeah, yeah. Sweet. So, I like the Spa- the Spanish cider is the Basque cider, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Basque Normandy, same concept. Uh, you're cool with this running long, right? I I love it long. <laughs> <laughs>
He's <laughs> yikes. I don't he's, get it. He's going to make so many edits. It's just going to be. Wait, no, 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 But then it's all same. Buddy, I'm going to leave. I edit his edits. I edit the edits. So as somebody who likes that style of cider, as a person who is interested in make, be careful because that one's got a lot of sediment in it. Um, as a person that that what does likes, that mean? it means put it down. Don't shake it Just around. Just be careful. You're, I, I, you're. It means you should let me open it. You're mangling no. it. I have gentle hands. You're, no, mas- you're, you're, you're mashing hard, it. You're a heart pourer. Uh, so throb in the heart pourer. Wow. <laughs> when when it came time for us to conceptualize making cider, Scott came to me. I had given him some of my homebrew ciders during the pandemic before I started working there, and he was like, "Hey, uh, I know you make cider at home." Do you have any interest in making a cider for? Yeah, you got to use this thing. Our you corks, will. our corks suck. You you don't think I can twist it? No, oh. it's gonna break on you. You're gonna you're, you're gonna. It's you're just gonna, gonna be a also, slurry. Also, you just said it's a lot of. It's, it's just gonna be sediment. a slurry. Can you trust me? No, I minute? don't trust you. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyway. Stop. <laughs> just use this. There, there's we're debating oh, on whether oh. he, he's got, he's got it. it. He's got it. I trust myself. It's gonna pop. Like this is put, put, put it up to the microphone. Put it up to the microphone. Put it up to the microphone. It's already going. It's not going. You guys keep talking. It's so, going to go. <laughs> Scott said, I know you made cider at home. Would you be interested in figuring out how to make a cider here? Big difference between homemade cider and, yeah, and commercial made cider. But I wasn't gonna let him know that I was discouraged. I was like, Yeah, no. Woo! There she goes. There it goes. I like that there was a pot right about it, too. I didn't anticipate this simple action. That was not a push of the button on the uh, Fort Trucker corner, ladies and gentlemen. I think we cleared 30 feet can on that one. Can we sample that and make it one of the buttons? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we can do that, actually. From now on, you're going to just put... We're going to call it the Buddy Cider button. I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry I tried to end the show it's fine. early. No, we're good. I tried to end the show mm. early at one time, so now we've both done it. Scott's exact words were, I don't give a fuck about cider. Do you want to make this cider? So I did. And that's like, if you know Scott or knew Scott, that's what I love about Scott is he was as direct as possible. Uh, You never had to worry about where you stood with the guy. He let you knew. Unless you disagreed about Lord of the Rings topics. Unless I was unsure of what he was saying most of the time. Oh, did you disagree (laughs) with him on Lord of the Ring topics? Uh, I have disagreed with him on Lord of the Ring topics before. Uh, So when we were conceptualizing an approach to making a house cider, we had to make sure that it was a cider that was approachable like yeah. everybody could enjoy it so it's not going to be too tart it's not gonna be too funky so in in trying to chase down that tradition uh we decided to uh you know back in the old cider houses in england if you, the cider was too tart for your liking you would ask the bartender to back sweeten it with whatever what they used was black currant juice so our cider was a cider that was back sweetened. That's awesome. Black currant. Yeah. So still within the tradition, but you know, developing a, a, an appeal that it wasn't super tart. Yeah. It was balanced. This is the complete opposite of that. This is funky. Uh, this has uh, some wild uh, yeast from bottle dregs. Really? That I cultured okay. up. Yeah. It smells. Like... I couldn't guess by the way that cork shot out of there. <laughs> well, I mean, I know what cider smells like. I love dry cider. This is more along that lines of uh, graph to me. Yeah, no, so this is supposed to be funky. This is as dry as it gets. There is no uh, back sweetening here. Um, The the brilliant thing about fructose and sucrose is uh, yeast can figure it out. Yeah. 
there are no polysaccharides in play, so it will dry out to nothing. And so, it gives you that level, like for those of you who aren't, who aren't tasting it, which is everybody but us right now, it gives you that level of like, it, it gets that champagne level of effervescence where oh, it just <clears throat> bubbles. Heavy, heavy carbs. Yeah, it's so, so I nice. shot for uh, five, mm -hmm. which doesn't mean volumes anybody, just, but yeah, yes, five, probably. which is why it's in these giant, yep. thick glass bottles, because otherwise it would explode. Yeah, it's uh, bottle bombs are a thing. Yes, every homebrewer has oh, yeah. those stories, too. Uh, but no, the, the goal was to make something that I think is exemplary of a classic cider by approaching it in this manner. This is we we, we made five cases of this. Yeah. The rest of this got back sweetened. We added cherry to it. So our next cider release is uh, the first one was palm and cassis, which means palm, uh, apple and cassis is currant. The next one is palm and cerise, which is just cherry. So black cherry, uh, it's delicious. This one that we, we just tapped today as well uh, is uh, cherry. Um, the cherry comes through on the back end. It's not like cherry up front. So you taste all the apple character. Um, it's 5.5% instead of the 6.9% of the last one because I want people to be able to drink cider in the yeah, summer. Totally. Nobody wants to drink a, a near and 7 And that's what those Spanish ciders are all about. Just dry it out. Not too not too high ABV. It's not sweet. It's very dry. And then yeah. that little bit of farmhouse character is just I keep burping hot. and I'm self-conscious because I, <laughs> I can hear the... Oh, don't be. It's fine. <laughs> but no, this is as dry as it gets. This is the highest carb that I've tested in yeah. these bottles this is champagne-y i mean yeah it's, it's fantastic dry. that's what it tastes like is yeah. champagne and yeah. it's dry enough to be like a brute but then it's just got that funkiness it was it like brett or so brett c in this one okay yeah yeah. brett c classany mm -hmm. uh which is the british brett strain that was isolated so you're gonna get the fruitiness you're not gonna get as much of the uh horse blanket barnyard yeah. stuff this is uh, which is what i wanted i wanted to be yeah. complimentary to the apple uh, you get all the malic acid. Like we're not trying to hide that. We want you no, to No, that's there in apple cider. You want that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, to me, this is not beer. I'm sorry. I broke it's a not, rule. It's okay. But it is something that like we're passionate about this, this yep. series of taking a beer that is traditionally bottle conditioned and just doing it. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's if it's going to. And that's something, too. That's something so special. You know, you could take that to like Thanksgiving and have it be a centerpiece or you could take putting it something to, down on the table. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, or like the meat said, that you made at home. Yeah, so special that you're not trying to like sell out of. But when someone comes around, they say, hey, is there Anything any special? local option for like a cider, and especially for like gluten free people too? Sure. And you say, oh, they have this. And not only is it like a gluten free option, but they crafted this specifically it's very unique probably small batch one-off you know yeah no i will continue to anytime i turn a batch of cider um i will separate a portion to do this with it yeah because this this is interesting to me this is fun uh i know it's super niche it's delicious. That's another thing I used to always do back in the days, like when in homebrewing too. It's just so easy to get a gallon of cider and then just experiment to the end of the earth. You can usually ferment it in the jug it came in and like you can just yeah. try shit. This to me is like, it reminds me of stuff that I used to make back in the day. It's exceptionally good. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I love it. It's great. That, that's how we got in here in the first place. Somebody yeah. was the original person to be like, oh, what if we uh, put this thing in a bottle and see what happens? Kids these days. Like, okay, we're just keeping that alive. Like, yeah. what happens if we put it in a bottle? And so far, we're betting a thousand with our bottle releases. 
Um, the reality is there might be some, some, some weirdness that happens to the bottle and it might not turn out. Like we're not, we're not investing in a sure thing. We're investing in. You're not putting 2026 on your bottles. Not, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not that confident. You just cut it with fruit, fruit puree and call it a uh, big ups to popcorn uh, apple slushy. Yeah. All right. Uh, one thing I was going to shout out this week while we're going around. Because um, uh, we're still on the show. That's out right. 15, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> okay. A few, a few months ago, I guess, at this point, uh, we, we covered a piece um, with the Keystone and Are you Stone gonna, Brewing No, lawsuit. you can't read content. No, I'm just uh, okay. quick, quick, quick. Just a kind of quick told you so. Mo- more of a quick uh, F.U. Greg Cock. Um, Stone Soul. Cook. Greg Cook. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Stone sold. <laughs> Coach to um oh who ended up buying them the Sapporo that's right yeah 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 so Cal the OG uh West Coast uh we have we have an attitude and we just do things our own I mean, way the, the arrogant bastards yeah the arrogant that's a great great way to put that so uh, congratulations on your sale um that yeah, guy's a jerk thanks for suing everyone <laughs> sorry no yeah I, I know I know please. He, he did a uh, uh, a conference at that Great American Beer Festival that I was at, and he was just a dick the whole time. Yeah. So, it's in his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was my only shout out. And go to Monica and drink some bottle conditioned cider. Yeah, this is fantastic. Is it my turn? It is your turn. <laughs> uh, I guess what I, what I would like to convey. Am I endorsing something? Do what, I, do what, I, hey, it could be it could be it could be an endorsement. It could be how you're. What do you, you feel know, relatively? It could be long form pros and amphibians. It could, it could be beer stuff. It could be non beer stuff. So you're saying I can say whatever I want? Yes. Oh yeah. Always. The floor is yours, sir. Here is this is what I want uh, the six people that are currently listening to this to take away. <laughs> do you think we have six? Yes. <laughs> My dad can only download it. Un- unintentional burn. Um, this life is the only one that you have. Um, if you're not living intentionally, uh, you're not doing it right. Make sure that everything that you do, you're you're thinking about the end result and what you want, and then you're working backwards to try to build your life around a framework that can get you to that goal. My thing is beer. Your thing might be data analysis. It doesn't matter. The goal is to approach it with as much vigor and vim as you can possibly muster. And don't allow anyone to tell you that you're not doing the thing that you should be doing. If it makes you happy, if you take joy in in the work that you are going into. Sorry, this is getting serious. Go for it, dude. Please. Go for it. I, I don't care. I want to make sure that in in the current times, uh, you know, we we too uh, vaguely look at what what our goals are. Make a goal and build backwards from that. That's all I have to say. Yeah, we live in a culture where it's very much just about like pursue, pursue, pursue. Um, but if you don't know what ladder you're climbing up, then you can end up, you know, somewhere down the road and be like, fuck. I decided what happened? two years ago, I left a job at Whole Foods as a manager. So many good beer people came out of Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah. I, I left a job at Whole Foods as a manager to take a chance on becoming a brewer. Scott and Brian were generous enough to give me an opportunity. Ian was 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 uh, integral in that that decision uh none of this happened on course with any kind of trajectory that i planned yeah uh if you look at our our core values one of them is like trust and providence 
providence it can mean anything to me it means there's a path if you want to go from here to there you gotta start there and work your way back yeah. so that's that's where i'm at with it cheers uh find good beer support the people that make it and share it with your friends that's exactly. what it's all about really well yeah. said buddy thank yeah. you cheers that was great man well said oh <clears throat> follow that <laughs> follow, follow that <laughs> Bam. You, know, you know what? I, I will piggyback. <laughs> we should have just been playing the funk music during all of that. That would have just been the way to do it. it would, yeah. The overlay of yeah, just... Follow your dreams. I will uh, engage in your philosophical, uh, philosophical view. Um, and piggyback off of it is that everything that people are doing today <laughs> has nothing to do with what you are doing. And the only reason they are doing it is because people before them who may or may not have been smarter than them have decided to do it this way. It's true. So find your own way. Um, but I'm going to reserve my shout out for wine um, because right. wine is an incredible beverage um, <laughs> <laughs> that will give you a completely different sort of mind frame when you drink it. Okay. Um, Head buzz. That's what you're talking about. Are you, are you on wine right now? Uh, not right on now. wine. <laughs> yes, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm on so much wine right I now. I did one wine before. But try it out every now and again. And thank you again for listening to Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thanks, everybody, for supporting us on Patreon. We really appreciate it. The new stools. So comfortable. Yeah, thanks, guys. So thanks to everybody supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for the stools. We <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> That's the end. We're <laughs> in my old Kentucky home.